the Good With Money, Smug Money podcast, a podcast that teaches you how to be good with your cash and where we speak to investment managers who tell us how they're being good with your cash as well. Just before we dive in, as ever, please do bear in mind that the information given isn't advice and that all investing carries a risk. I'm your host, Jen Gale, and today I'm chatting to Matthew Negra, Portfolio Manager at UBP, and we're discussing the role of the financial markets in helping to fight the climate crisis. Hello, welcome to the podcast, Matthew. Hi, uh, happy to be here. Thank you. And it's welcome back, actually, isn't it? Because you've done another one with us as well. Um, But for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, can you introduce yourself to us? Sure. So uh, my name is Mathieu Negra. I'm a portfolio manager at UBP. I'm part of the impact investing uh, group on listed equity, uh, which means that we're trying to invest in in companies that... uh, do something positive for the environment or society, and we build portfolios. As far as I'm concerned, I specialize on emerging markets. Uh, and so that's what I do for, for UBP. Brilliant. Now, when we're thinking about stock markets and investments and things like that, it feels like 2020 should have been a pretty rocky year, just because everything else was rocky about 2020. Was that reflected in the sort of financial markets? Yes, it was absolute uh, madness. Uh, we had uh, the hell of a year. And I think everybody followed that because the correction in March sort of attracted a lot of attention. It was quite spectacular, mm-hmm. relentless. Um, it was coming from a place where markets were quite reasonably strong, I would say, globally. Uh, and then we had that correction where we lost 30% in, wow. uh, in a month or so. Uh, and it was re- really like every day. So it mm. felt like a very acute crisis. Mm. Uh, but then, and that's where the, volati- the volatility becomes very difficult to manage, which is uh, to draw a, a bearish conclusion at this stage was completely misguided. Because then the rebound took us to basically where we were at the beginning of the year right. over, over the summer. Mm-hmm. And in some markets, not all markets, it, we actually went higher. Okay. If you look at if you look at the annual performance for the MSCI world or any global index, um, twenty twenty looks like a, you know an average year. We, we oh, okay. Return, we return fourteen percent on the MSCI Acqui, for example, which includes all countries, um, and that looks like you know a, a walk in the park. Except that, of course, we had that thirty percent correction followed by very strong recovery after that. So if you just uh, looked at the the start point and the end point, you'd just think, oh, that was a that was an all right year. But actually, you're just missing all the ups and downs yeah. and the roller coasters in between. Exactly. We, we, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fifty years from now, you won't be able to tell what happened in 2020 by looking at the annual returns. Right. It was, it was an average year. Yeah. Uh, but but the volatility uh, inside uh, of 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 it was was actually very unusual. Yeah. Uh, and, and quite extreme. Quite extreme. And you mentioned that that sort of your focus is on emerging markets, and also one of the things that we're going to touch on today is is renewables and things like that. So, how did those kinds of markets or that kind of impact investing do um, compared to, I guess, more traditional investments? Um, they so emerging markets specifically did very well. Um, 
particularly at the at the end of the year when we started talking about um, sort of getting out of the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Um, when and probably that's an impression as well that has uh, slightly faded away by now because we are again in the middle of a COVID. Mm wave and we're wondering if uh, emerging markets are not going to be impacted uh, in the first part of of 2021. But for most of the end of last year, there was this impression that uh, a a value rally, a rally of the assets which were previously neglected was deserved uh, because we were about to come out uh, of that crisis. And so uh, a lot of assets had a a lot of catch up to do. And I think emerging markets uh, fell into that into that category because their economies are more fragile and uh, they uh, suffered more than developed markets in the corrections and, and the recovery uh, uh, lagged a little bit. So we sort of caught up that effect uh, at the end of the year and that led to very strong performance. Because you make the relationship to impact investment, it's also true um, that many of the sectors that we invest in in the impact investing group uh, also did very well as a universe. Uh, there was a strong sentiment that we had to rebuild in a different way. Mm-hmm. We saw in the um, recovery plans decided by various governments, provisions for specific investments mm. that would lead us to greener technologies, uh, cleaner power sectors, uh, subsidies for electric vehicles, mm. um, and that was true in, in Brazil, in Korea. It was mm. certainly true uh, in, in Europe it, uh, among the various uh, recovery plans that we saw, and, and that led to very strong performance uh, by some of the, of, the, of the investments that we look at in those areas. So that's really interesting. So, But here in the UK, we had, um, you know, the government came out with, I think, their 10-point recovery plan, and I know that as you mentioned, um, several of the European countries sort of pledged, um, you know, I think trillions of of dollars or pounds or euros or whatever towards, a, you know, a green recovery and to and then and talking about investing in uh, the climate and things like that. So, is that promise almost of money enough for the stock market to react and to kind of um, boost the um, how well or otherwise the sort of greener industries do? I think if it's concrete and if it's serious, and I think in many cases in 2020, it has been a combination of the two. Mm. Um, When you say, you know, we're going to be carbon neutral in 2060, you're not saying much. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very unclear how you're going to get there. Mm. It's it's a very welcome commitment. We'll we'll get back to it, but uh, it's pretty vague. Mm. But when you say we're going to tighten the requirement for 2030, yeah, and, and we're going to write that down in the book of the Paris Agreement, comes COP26 in Glasgow mm. this year, uh, and we're going to follow that up with specific regulation for uh, the banning of electric vehicle, um, fossil fuel vehicles, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and subsidies for electric vehicle. It it makes it a lot more concrete, and I think if I look at how those investments performed through the year, it's quite obvious that uh, when uh, investors started seeing specific provisions for electric vehicle, uh, I think it was in the EU regulatory plan, uh, recovery plan, so mm-hmm. initially uh, that's what triggered the, the rally that we saw uh, in the battery sector, for example, oh, wow. because we know that 
you know, battery makers will benefit by providing the yeah, 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 uh, the, the battery to those vehicles, uh, and and that really led to a re-rating, uh, just because there was a, an immediate and concrete outlook for better business prospects mm. for the company that were uh, in that sector. Oh, that's really interesting, and and I'd never really thought of it like that before. That actually, you know. A government coming out and and uh, sort of making these pledges and these promises like it's it's good news and often it's not as good as we want it to be or as quite fast or whatever as we want it to be but it's undeniably good news but it never really occurred to me I guess I just not thought about it that that would actually have a really positive impact on how well these companies perform kind of on the stock markets but of course if you know if a government's saying they're going to, to be spending millions of dollars or whatever on on these technologies then of course there's clever people out there going oh that'd be a good good place to start investing some money then yes definitely and uh you know i think uh many countries have those long-term commitments but we're getting so close now mm. uh it's really uh getting more and more urgent to do something for carbon emissions yeah. and it has been realized for a while so people have made you know commitments for 2030 2035 which looked very distant you know mm. 10 years ago um whoever was making it was pretty sure they wouldn't be in office anyway yes um, yeah but now it's money time we're going to deliver on those mm. uh every other country is watching each other in terms of you know who's failing uh on its on its commitments mm. uh and and uh and and politicians generally i think i've seen that there was something to gain politically because many yes. people around the world are worried about this that was a central theme uh in in the u.s election for example mm, mm. Uh, and 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 politically in many countries and and indeed the uk so if there's something to gain politically uh and a commitment has been made previously then we're getting into a situation in which action will take place and and investors can can benefit Definitely. Now you mentioned, um, you know, carbon neutrality by by twenty sixty, and alluding there to this um, that China's now come out, and I think for the first time China's sort of spoken up about a desire to be carbon neutral. And yes, you know, twenty sixty feels too far away, but how big an impact or otherwise has that had? Both on you said, you know, political leaders are all watching each other. So I guess the sort of political landscape, but also on how how the markets have responded to that. The markets have responded very, very strongly to that. Again, because I think there's a there's a feeling that um, it's that they're very serious about it. Mm. They didn't have to make that commitment. I think it came as a surprise to yeah. many, certainly to me, but also to people who know a lot more about China and you know policy making over there. Yes, who were visibly surprised uh, that it would come at that point. I think it's remarkable because it didn't come as part of a grand bargain. Mm, it, yes. it was it wasn't negotiated against yeah. whatever. They didn't need to make that commitment mm. and yet uh they they were very vocal about it. Uh and it was followed up by uh more precise policy measures as is often the case in, in China in the yeah. plan that were rumored. So we see it on the ground. As investors we talk to the renewable energy equipment company, for example, uh, on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've told us, you know, for 2021, we now expect 20, 25% more capacity wow. building 
because it's now in the five-year plan and yeah. all of the utility company are going to order equipment to be aligned with this. So uh, it, it, it had a tremendous uh, impact. Also, symbolically, you know, it was such a big issue for uh, China to not having mm. committed to a carbon neutrality point. Middle low-income countries, emerging countries, as we sometimes call them, uh, were always hesitant, mm. uh, claiming rightly that most of the historical carbon emissions had been emitted by the rich countries mm. and that mm. they had created the problem and they should fix it. Mm -hmm. uh, but the problem, of course, is that uh, although this is true, uh, we all have to cut emissions if we're going to get to the yeah. level of emissions that... Um, is acceptable, which mm -hmm. is to, you know, neutrality uh, at some point. Uh, and so um, it was always very difficult to get countries like China uh, to commit to a date. Mm -hmm. uh, and now they have committed to a date. So symbolically also it makes a huge difference yeah. uh, that uh, a country like this not feeling any pressure in, in the very short term. I mean, maybe after the U.S. election you could have anticipated that Joe Biden, mm -hmm. you know, if, if uh, uh, he uh, was to win, which indeed he has, uh, he would have pushed for that. Uh, but it wasn't the case under the previous administration. Yeah. And yet they went for it. And so I think uh, there's a tremendous uh, momentum that, that comes out of that. We actually saw a few weeks after that, Japan committing to carbon neutrality and to further measures to reduce the carbon footprint. Uh, which wasn't expected either. And in their decision, they actually specifically mentioned China's decision. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it's, it's worded in, in very diplomatic terms. Yes, yeah. But, but it basically says, uh, yeah, so they, they did it, so we had, we had to do it as well. Mm. And um, I thought that's wonderful, and I really hope that uh, everybody feels that sort of jealousy around the world from mm. among the, the leaders of this world, and we see more countries going down that path. I'm in danger of feeling a little bit optimistic, I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, and you uh, mentioned you mentioned Biden there as well, and you know, in my sort of uh, social media and media bubble, there's a, there's been an awful lot about um, Biden and the the sort of climate action that he's he's sort of come straight out of the gate with. Um, again, has that been a, a cause for um, the markets to sort of respond really positively as well? Yeah, the market has a response. I would say it is less, um, it's more speculative at this point than mm -hmm. the Chinese announcement. We know, you know, things are going to be announced, but we are unsure of uh, how it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So generally, there's a more favorable environment right now for uh, clean energy providers mm -hmm. or anybody who's providing a solution to the climate crisis. But the form that is going to take uh, is not entirely sure at this stage because of the way uh, the U.S. political system works yeah. uh, and, and the Senate being divided 50-50. Mm. The, 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 there's not a huge uh, margin uh, for, for him to uh, push really life-changing regulations. Yes. Uh, but there is to push certain type of subsidies, for example. Mm. So we, we saw the stocks reacting positively. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think they are, had already priced in quite a bit of optimism by the time the election came. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it was not um, earth-shattering, as you will, uh, uh, as much as the, the China decision, yeah. but, but it had a positive impact for sure. Cool. And so all this talk about, you know, um, 
emerging markets and renewables and all those sorts of things doing really quite well in response to um, lots of the political changes that have happened um, in the last year or so. Does this growth in investment in those industries that we need in these green technologies, does that put us in line with the Paris Agreement? Are we are we at a point where if all this technology is realised, we will be able to keep um, warming below one and a half or two degrees? Or have we still got a way to go in terms of the investment needed? It, it looks extremely difficult at this point to mm. have... Uh, and there goes my optimism, Matthew. Yes. <laughs> Yes, no, but I think you said uh, I'm, I'm scared of being uh, optimistic, and, and I think that's a paradox of the climate <laughs> situation, which is if 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 it's not a um, a very scary crisis type situation, then there's no need to change the way we mm. live and consume and produce electricity and cough, and then nothing will happen. Mm. Uh, uh, and and if we're scared, then we're scared. So that's not a very a very mm, uh, good yeah. way to, to to go about life. So uh, th there's a, a balance to find between the two. Yeah. So I think I I think clearly uh, because of what I said politically, it's it's coming together. There's a, there's a uh, a momentum in terms of action uh, that we needed to see, frankly. So there's no need to be super happy about it, but there's a sense of uh, relief. I think that certain of the things come together right now. Mm. Um, but uh, does that put us on a two-degree scenario? It does not. I think that there's still a lot to do. If you look, there, there's not a lot of literature on the topic, uh, but there's a couple of academics who've written on art, uh, an article to try to take stock of what happened since 2015. And mm. if you look at the global emissions, basically they've more or less stabilized in, in certain developed markets. They've fallen over the last five years. Uh, but in large part, you know, last year uh, because of COVID. And so uh, we're not sure what's going to happen after that. Mm. If it's only a COVID effect, uh, then it's going to have a negligible impact on carbon emissions over the long term. Mm. Uh, if we are on a new path where uh, emissions will start to significantly fall, uh, at least in the developed world, uh, then that's a much more positive uh, development. Mm -hmm. I think there's a range of scenarios. We're not even sure what a certain uh, level of emission, volume of emission will lead to in terms of temperature. Yes, but it, but it, yeah. it looks, if we look at what uh, the IPCC is reporting, uh, that we're now on a path to go somewhere above three degrees, mm. uh, which is really a big problem. Yeah. And this new momentum that I was talking about is going gonna, is gonna to bring us lower. If we can achieve more, it's going to bring us to uh, a level that uh, right now doesn't look like it can be in line with a two-degree scenario. But I'm very cautious in being too pessimistic because I know that a lot of the things that I thought would be hard to see uh, are now happening. If you take just one example, we were talking about the renewable um, the cost of solar panel, photovoltaic panels is, is down 82% over the wow. last 10 years. 82% over the last 10 years, which means that I've heard financial analysts talking about what they call grid parity, which is a level at which solar energy is actually competitive without subsidies mm, mm. from anyone uh, in the electric system. And I've heard financial analysts talking about that for a number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, but now it's happening. It's yeah. really happening. And uh, we talked to 
companies, particularly in the emerging uh, countries where um, uh, we get a little bit more sun, for example, mm, than in yes, the UK. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are a number of geographies in which uh, solar energy without subsidies is now profitable, competitive at an industrial scale. Mm. Uh, and that really opens uh, an, a number of possible ways yes. to significantly reduce carbon emissions uh, which were a bit far-fetched uh, suddenly 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think as well five years ago. So we're making progress sometimes in an unexpected way and more than we thought. Yeah. Uh, and because the whole world is now uh, trying to tackle this problem, uh, it's, it's possible that more of this will come and that eventually will end up on a two-degree scenario. Mm. But the, 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 the evidence right now that we're doing better you know emissions have stabilized look like they could well fall uh but you know not fast enough to be mm. on a two degrees uh on a two degrees path just one yeah. thing about that um that somebody quite pessimistic uh remarked the other day on social social media it was saying basically because of covid our economies stopped working in, mm. in places i mean we really had to interrupt a lot of businesses and to close down a lot of businesses a lot mm. of people got unemployed as a result of that it's difficult to estimate but the estimates around all that emissions have fallen between five six seven percent that order of magnitude okay mm. if we want to get to zero carbon in 2050 that's what we need to do every year mm. yeah and it doesn't sound like you know uh it's something we are ready to do at mm. all. I mean, can you imagine the social consequences and everything? So there are other ways, uh, other than recessions, I mean, to decarbonize the economy. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we have to urgently find them because other than that, uh, I mean, this is how difficult it is to be on a two-degree yeah. two path. It is to get emissions to four by five percent annually. Yeah. Oh, you've, you 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 momentarily cheered me up, and then you. <laughs> um, so you know the as you said that there is a chance that we can reach the objectives sort of set out by Paris because we've already seen, you know, I guess what we would have thought of as sort of unprecedented change happening. Um, is finance playing its role? Is it playing enough of a role? How can it play more of a role in helping us to do that? I think it's. Um it's it's not leading the effort but it's um finally catching up i would say mm -hmm. um there i think there are three three elements which are quite positive and which are going in the, in the in the right direction uh one is that consumers increasingly understand the link between uh the savings the, what, what they invest in what uh the large listed companies do uh, and the climate, and you mm. see uh, increasing pressure by consumer groups, uh, but also by individual consumers who mm. sort of modify their consumption pattern to uh, try to achieve what they yeah. want to see in terms of climate progress, mm. uh, in terms of, uh, of, you know, from the food you buy to, to the cars you buy to the number of things that you can do uh, to improve your, your carbon footprint, and that, that's... Uh, Number one, but also from the industry, we we see uh, 
a, a strong and stronger emphasis on sustainability. And this can be very vague or it can become quite precise. Mm -hmm. uh, a number of players uh, start to take, you know, concrete uh, commitments uh, in, with regards to uh, the carbon emissions of the companies they invest in okay, or yeah. their own carbon emissions. Mm. And you saw uh, a lot of the uh, big uh, UK asset managers, you know, redoing and communicating about the changes in their climate policy. Mm -hmm. And we think that's very important and mm. it's a very good thing. And related to that, but on a different um in, in a different area, you also see the, the market for green bonds uh, growing every year, becoming a big thing, and actually something that now financial centers are trying to compete for. Mm -hmm. uh, so London, obviously, uh, you know, would like to become a, a financial center for, for this type of instruments. Uh, and there were marginal, again, you know, talking about the things that were difficult to imagine five or ten years ago and that are going in the right direction, I think this is one there's now a significant market in green bonds. Uh, you see now savings product launched on, on the back of those. Uh, you even see sovereign green bonds, I think. Uh, and so th there's a range of uh, things that, that go uh, in that direction. Mm. And of course, the, the last thing that I mentioned, I would say there were only three, but in fact, there is a fourth. Uh, it's impact investing, which, mm -hmm. of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an example of that. Uh, UBP uh, has decided to make investments in that area and to, uh, uh, yeah, to, to develop impact investing uh, internally and, and externally through collaboration. Uh, and I think uh, as the impact in industry, as, a, as an industry is developing, uh, then more and more things which are possible for the companies who are trying to find solutions mm. uh, for, for the climate crisis uh, because, because it makes financing easier for them uh, and it helps them to to develop faster. Yeah. So as as individuals then, or as people, you know, maybe if we are lucky enough to have a um, you know a pot of money to invest, or we're looking at our pensions and things, um, it sounds like there's there's quite a few ways in which we can directly help things to move quicker. So not only in those choices that you were saying about that we make in terms of the food we buy and, you know, when we next buy a car or if we next buy a car and things like that, but also in terms of asking these questions of the, the places where we're looking to invest our money or asking these questions of, um, you know, if we have got a pension, well, hold on a minute, where is where is that being invested? What's it funding? Um, and actually, that's hugely powerful, isn't it? I know that um, there's a campaign at the moment called Make My Money Matter. And, you know, they've been really successful in getting some really big pension pots to sort of move their money into more sustainable investments and things. So it does show that actually, you know, as, as individuals, this sort of consumer power and this people power and the power of our money really can um, be doing good things, which hopefully is, <laughs> is you know, moving us in the right direction. Um, is there yeah. sort of anything additional to add to that? Well, yeah, I think, you know, people who are concerned by the climate crisis will have a tendency to go um, on a carbon calculator and to try to understand where their carbon mm. footprint is, is coming. Uh, and, and, and it's not always an enjoyable experience <laughs> um, because you see a lot of um, good things having a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of uh, negative impacts yeah. on the environment and, you know, you've got to make choices. Um, so many times th those carbon calculators will not take into account the, the savings parts mm. 
you know, the way you invest your money. It, it will be only about your uh, consumption. Sure. And, and there are very rational reasons for that because, after all, uh, it's, it's not your direct emissions. It's mm-hmm. the emissions of companies you invest in. Yes. They've got different stakeholders which are trying to reduce their emissions, mm-hmm. so you should care about your emission and maybe not theirs. But, but I think by being mindful of uh, the impact that your portfolio and it could be a pension or a NISA or any shares you mm. have, if you uh, more and more reporting improves in that area, so you can actually get a number mm. in terms of, you know, emissions per thousand pounds invested, mm. for example. Uh, and so by looking at that member and tra- uh, number and trying to uh, select a, uh, a low-carbon product or a no-carbon product, uh, you you can have the world going in the right direction. Why? Because I think it pushes uh, companies to clean up their act, to mm. be selected in those products, to be selected by the investors who actually care about those things. Uh, and they put in place strategies to demonstrate that they can actually cut their emissions and that it's good for their business. Yeah. Uh, and and also uh, because asset managers such, such as myself then can go see those companies and uh, claim to represent shareholders who actually, mm. you know, care about this issue. And the fact that shareholders care uh, is a very strong message for corporations. Mm. And they will certainly uh, take it into account in the way uh, they develop their strategies. You now have, and also this is a new thing from 2020, which is a, a good one. So another reason to feel reasonably cautiously optimistic is the fact that now you've you got a, a few... Uh, a few funds, activist funds, as we call them, uh, who make a lot of noise around uh, the uh, climate strategies of certain companies. Okay. Uh, we had an example, you know, the, on the New York Stock Exchange, one of the big oil companies who was a clear laggard uh, on those issues, which was Exxon, uh, and who had to face an activist campaign, as we call it, a proxy fight. So uh, an activist going around, their shoulders and saying, you know, this is unacceptable. They, they have to do better in terms of their climate strategy. Uh, and, they, and they feel the pressure and they have to take decisions on the back of that. Mm-hmm. So every marginal act that goes into that direction uh, relates to consumption or investments, which mm. is probably more relevant to this podcast, yeah. uh, I think is a good thing and can make a difference. Amazing. So heading, where, where are we now? Beginning of February 2021, how... How are you feeling about about 2021? We've got COP26 coming up in Glasgow at the end of the year. You know, is that cautious optimism? Is that the phrase you would use? Yeah, it's um, cautious optimism is 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 good enough. Uh, my, my wife would be uh, very happy if she was listening to this because she would say, "Well, that that's much better than what I'm used to." Um, <laughs> But uh, yes, I think uh, if I'm honest, uh, a, a lot of things are uh, coming together right now. Uh, it's also uh, very encouraging to see that on the ground, uh, you know, the cost of certain technology uh, is going down and mm. will continue to go down. We haven't talked about, uh, you know, the progress made in, in batteries, mm. some of the technological leaps that are now uh, in sight in terms of the type of technology we're using batteries for example yeah, i read um, i read something the other day saying about um they developed a battery that can fully charge in five minutes for cars and i was like wow that really is you know yes you know changing the, the scene 
Yes, and if regulation forces to go in a certain way uh, and uh, innovation is delivered that is trying to adapt to that new environment, uh, I think a lot of things, again, in 10 years that we think are impossible now yes. might be possible. Uh, and we now have the political momentum, uh, as we discussed. So yes, cautiously optimistic. There is COP26. Uh, it's going to be a big uh, moment, I hope, really uh, that it is a successful mm. summit. It's going to be the first time also that the US is coming back to the international scene with something to propose on yes. the climate front. It was really damaging to have uh, one of the biggest historical emitters uh, and a leader politically, geopolitically in so many mm. ways, uh, retrenching from this fight. Yes. Now it's coming back, to, coming back to the fight and uh, it could well make a difference. So... Mm. I really hope this momentum is maintained and uh, that we continue to see what we saw in 2020 in terms of progress made. I will take cautious optimism any day of the week. Thank you over what it has felt like for the past, you know, five, ten years in the, in the environmental sector. So that's brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Matthew. And yeah, you've, you've um, instilled me with a little cautious optimism as well. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. 